I'm not a scholar. I'm not an authority. I'm just someone seeking truth and righteousness. I read the scriptures constantly and thought to share what I'm discovering along the way. As I study, I get ideas and say them loud. It might be truth or it might be another pothole I step in on my journey. For me, the important thing is to keep pressing forward to the tree. I hear the fruit of the tree is delicious and I am determined to find out for myself. Now, I think it's important that we start reading um, the preface of the um, book of Isaiah. It gives us an overview and it tells us the current state or condition of um, the daughter of Zion. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And I've read these two, I've read these before in another podcast, but we're going to read them again so that we truly understand um, what he's saying. So he says, now behold, I say unto you that ye ought to search these things. He had just been quoting Isaiah. Yea, a commandment I give unto you that ye search these things diligently for great are the words of Isaiah. Okay, so a diligent search of Isaiah. This is what we're about to get into. For surely he spake as touching all things concerning my people, which are of the house of Israel. Therefore, it must needs be that he must speak also to the Gentiles. These words were written specifically to be spoken to the Gentiles. Okay, now let's figure out who these Gentiles are that he's talking about, because the gen there are multiple gentile nations right but the book of isaiah seems to be directed to a specific subset of the gentiles and so that we won't be confused who that is let's continue reading and all things that he spake have been and shall be even according to the words which he spake therefore you see that all things have been because Isaiah uses a his, uses historical events and characters to um, paint a picture of what's going to be happening at the end times. Okay, so and all things that he spake have been and shall be. Okay, there's nothing new under the sun. History is going to repeat itself, even according to the words which he spake. Verse four. Once again, we're in 3 Nephi chapter 23. Therefore, give heed to my words. Write the things which I have told you. And according to the time and the will of the Father, they shall go forth unto the Gentiles. Well, wait a minute. So he is right now speaking to um, the Nephites and Lamanites who have survived the destructions that happened um, at, during his death and resurrection during that time period. He is speaking to them and he's telling them to write the things that Jesus has told them, which is third Nephi. And according to the time and the will of the father, they shall go forth unto the Gentiles. All right. Well, what, who did this book of Mormon go forth to? Who did these words go forth to? Those are the Gentiles that the Book of Mormon is talking about. Those are the Gentiles um, to which, okay, the words of Isaiah have been written. Those are the ones that are supposed to be searching these things. Those are the Gentiles, okay? Now, just to bring that home a little further, the title page of the Book of Mormon says, wherefore it is an abridgment. And this was written by Mormon. It says an account written by the hand of Mormon. So this is what Mormon of the Book of Mormon is saying is the purpose for which he compiled these records. Wherefore it is an abridgment of the record of the people of Nephi and also of the Lamanites, written to the Lamanites, who are a remnant of the house of Israel, and also to the Jew and Gentile. Okay, so these are written to the Gentile. Okay, 
also to the remnant of the house of Israel and to the Jew, right? But they are written to the Gentile and it says written by way of commandment and also by the spirit of prophecy and of revelation written and sealed up and hid up unto the Lord that they might not be destroyed to come forth by the gift and power of God unto the interpretation thereof sealed by the hand of Moroni and hid up unto the Lord to come forth in the due time by way of the Gentile, the Gentile. So these are to come by way of the Gentile among the Gentiles to whom this record was to come forth. The Gentile of course was Joseph Smith, right? The next statement says the interpretation thereof by the gift of God. So if we believe the Book of Mormon to be the word of God, then we have to believe it follows that this record was brought forth, as it says, by way of the Gentile, first to the Gentiles. An abridgment taken from the book of Ether also, which is a record of the people of Jared, who were scattered at the time that the Lord confounded the language of the people. Um, or was I? When they were building a tower to get to heaven, which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, and that they may know the covenants of the Lord, that they are not cast off forever, and also to the convincing of the Jew and Gentile that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God manifesting himself unto all nations. Okay, so let me just go to a verse that I pulled up. Let's see. I think it's in 3 Nephi. Hang on, let me find it. So this is 3 Nephi chapter 16. I'm in verse 4. This is Jesus Christ himself speaking. He says um, right here that these sayings which she shall write shall be kept and shall be manifested unto the Gentiles, that through the fullness of the Gentiles, the remnant of their seed, who shall be scattered forth upon the face of the earth because of their unbelief, may be brought in or may be brought to a knowledge of me their redeemer. Okay. So these things are written for the sake of the Gentiles because the Gentiles have a work to do for the Lord. Let's go back over here one more time. He, it says right here, therefore it must needs be, this is third Nephi chapter 23. This is, um, talking about greater the words of Isaiah by Jesus himself. He says, therefore, it must needs be that he, Isaiah, must speak also to the Gentiles. So the book of Isaiah shows all things, okay, touching all things concerning my people, which are of the house of Israel, but it speaks to the Gentiles. That's who the book is written to. So let's go ahead and start reading the preface beginning of the book of Isaiah. I'm actually going to start in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 1. Hear, O heavens, give heed, O earth. Jehovah has spoken. I have reared sons, brought them up, but they have revolted against me. Okay, so he has brought up sons. Now, becoming a son of God means to enter into a covenant with him, which is the new and everlasting covenant, which you enter into by receiving your baptism of fire in the Holy Ghost. If you're unfamiliar with that being the path, go back and look at some of my previous videos like the everlasting covenant, which one, um, or um, the covenant path. Anyway, um, I do talk about these, that, um, pretty extensively in those videos. Um, 
So there were sons, and we know that because in the Doctrine and Covenants, Joseph Smith is referred to as a son, or Sam Pratt is referred to as a son. Um, gosh, what are some of the other ones? Oh, I'm sure Sidney Rigdon is referred to as a son, but I'd have to go back and look. Anyway, I know Oliver Cowdery is. I think that's in Doctrine and Covenants 9 or 10 when Oliver Cowdery is referred to as a son, okay? So he's reared sons, brought them up. But among them, there are those who have revolted against God, okay? The ox knows its master, the ass its master's stall. But Israel do, do not know, my people are insensible, so it's interesting because an ass is not a kosher animal. An ox is, right? An ox knows its owner. The ass knows its master's stall, but Israel does not know my people are insensible. Um, alas, a nation astray, a people weighed down by sin. What does this say? The offspring of wrongdoers. So the, the nation... Israel has gone astray. They're weighed down by sin because they're the children of wrongdoers. Who are the wrongdoers? Let's go back up here. I've reared sons, but they've revolted against me. So these early leaders, at least some of them, revolted against God. And they have um, created offspring that if we go back to verse four, it says the offspring of wrongdoers, perverse children. These perverse children are because they're following false traditions that were set up by those sons who revolted against God in the beginning. They have forsaken Jehovah. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel. So I looked up the definition of the word spurned. It means to kick away or to have um, disdain for, or to despise. So um, these um, sons that have revolted, kicked away the Holy One of Israel, Jesus Christ, had him in derision, despised him. And because of that, the children who have now become perverse children, what? They have lapsed into apostasy. Let's read that verse again. It's powerful. Alas, a nation astray, a people weighed down by sin, the offspring of wrongdoers, perverse children. They have forsaken Jehovah. They've spurned the Holy One of Israel. They've lapsed into apostasy. Actually, we're going to read a little bit more about that in just a minute um, when we get down to defining even more clearly who this is talking to. Why be smitten further by adding to your waywardness? So this is in this particular chapter, he's going to petition us to reason with him, to come unto him, to because even though, uh, you know, we are um crimson like blood we can become white as wool right so he says why be smitten further verse five by adding to your waywardness the whole head is sick so the head is the leaders the whole heart diseased the heart are the followers of christ and the entire heart is diseased or those who believe that they're following christ from the soles of the feet, so from the very lowliest members, even to the head, there is nothing sound, only wounds and bruises and festering sores. They've not been pressed out or bound up nor soothed with ointment. So because of that, here he's going to give a prophecy of what is going to happen. Your land is ruined, your cities burned with fire. Your native soil is devoured by aliens in your presence, laid waste at its takeover by foreigners. The daughter of Zion, this is the term that we are going to look at a little more clearly. Who is Zion? 
um, that is actually going to come clear to us through the Book of Mormon. Because if we know who Zion is, we know what church, remember churches are always women in the scriptures. So this daughter, okay, is the offspring, the perverse children, right? Okay, this daughter is from Zion. Now, let's figure out who Zion was. So what I need, what I want you to understand is that Zion was established um, in section 42, I believe it is, of the Doctrine and Covenants. You have the Statutes of Zion, which includes the Law of Consecration. It was established, but the people rejected it. And here you have um, the completion, basically, of that rejection. God is basically telling us that um, Zion is going to be lost for a time. Okay, So it says here in Doctrine and Covenants 101, verse 41, Behold, here is wisdom concerning the children of Zion, even many, but not all. They were found transgressors. Therefore, they must needs be chastised. So then in verse 43, it says, And now I will show unto you a parable that you may know concern, you may know my will concerning the redemption of Zion. This is how we know that Zion was established because you cannot redeem that which never existed. It has to first exist before you can redeem it. But the fact that it has to be redeemed, okay, this is his will concerning the redemption of Zion, tells us that it was lost. There's another scripture that I want to read to you. Okay, so he's in Doctrine and Covenants 105. He's explaining why Zion was lost. He says in verse 5, And Zion cannot be built up unless it is by the principles of the law of the celestial kingdom. Otherwise, I cannot receive her unto myself. Okay, and my people must needs be chastened until they learn obedience. If it must needs be by the things which they suffer. Okay. Then it goes on. Let's see. There was something else I wanted to share. So it says in verse 13, therefore, it is expedient in me that mine elders should wait for a little season for the redemption of Zion. Okay, so Zion was lost and they were told that it couldn't be redeemed at that time, that they had to wait for the time of the Lord to redeem Zion. So what we have today, it's kind of interesting because we talk about um, the stakes of Zion, right? We call our stakes the stakes of Zion, but it is not the stakes of Zion, but rather the stakes of the daughter of Zion. It is the church that resulted after Zion was lost. It is the church in its lost and fallen state um, awaiting being redeemed. Okay, so let's go back to verse 7. Your land is ruined, your cities burned with fire, your native soil is devoured by aliens in your presence, laid waste at its takeover by foreigners. So at some point we will, we're already, okay. At some point we will see um, our land being taken over, okay? The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, a hut in a melon field, a city under siege, okay? This is what is going to happen to... Um, to the to the church had not jehovah of hosts verse 9 left us a few survivors we should have been as sodom or become like gomorrah okay so what's going to be left are a few survivors but most of the church is going to get physically temporally wiped out hear the word of jehovah o leaders of sodom Give heed to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah, because God doesn't want it to be just this a few survivors. He would like for the entire church to turn. He's calling on the leaders. These leaders he's talking about, 
can be none other than the leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is so hard for me to say these things. I'm stumbling over my own words because I cannot, I still cannot face this, even though the scriptures are very clear. Okay, verse 10, hear the word of Jehovah, O leaders of Sodom. Give heed to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. So he's asking us as the members to get into his scriptures and learn his word, to seek it out for ourselves. As a matter of fact, I want to share something. Um, this is from the Joseph Smith Papers. Um, this is in, okay, these are notes that were taken of the Relief Society from 1842 to 1844. So it says here that President J. Smith, that would be Joseph Smith Rose, read the 14th chapter of Ezekiel, said the Lord had declared by the prophet that the people should each one stand for himself and depend on no man or men in that state of corruption of the Jewish church, that righteous persons could only deliver their own souls because the church was so corrupted at this point. All right. So here's what Joseph Smith did then. He applied it to the present state of the church of the Latter-day Saints. Said if the people departed from the Lord, they must fall. That they were depending on the prophet, hence were darkened in their minds from neglect of themselves envious toward the innocent while they afflict the virtuous with their shafts of envy. Okay. So first he read from the 14th chapter of Isaiah. And then he said that this chapter was saying that in the present state of corruption of the Jewish church, that each man had to stand for himself and that righteous persons could only deliver their own souls because of the corrupted um, state of the church, and then applied that as, as far back as 18, between 1842 and 1844 in Nauvoo, to the current state of the then Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was so corrupted at that point that he applied that to the church and said, if the people departed from the Lord, they must fall that they were depending on the prophet, hence were darkened in their minds from neglect of themselves. They have to come to Christ. They have to have their baptism of fire in the Holy Ghost. They have to enter in by the way. And that their state was envy toward the innocent and they afflict the virtuous with their shafts of envy. So they were attacking the virtuous and the innocent they were in a state of great apostasy at that point. Okay. Okay, where am I? Back to here. So, hear the word. I'm back in Isaiah verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 1. Hear the word of Jehovah, O leaders of Sodom. Give heed to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And he had just told us that he's talking in verse 8 to the daughter of Zion, which was the church that was left when Zion became in a state of ruin and needed to be redeemed. You notice he's not saying that he's talking to Zion. He says he's talking to the daughter of Zion. Okay. Remember, these words must speak to the Gentiles. And we defined who the Gentiles are. For what purpose are your abundant sacrifices to me, says Jehovah? Where are we making sacrifices to Jehovah? And he is identifying them as abundant sacrifices. I have had my fill of offerings of rams and fat of fatted beasts. So he is explaining this in the language of the sacrifices of the time of Isaiah. But you have to ask yourself, what are our current sacrifices? Because that's what he's talking about. The blood of bulls and sheep and he goats I do not want. 
So he doesn't want these sacrifices that we're making. Okay, for what purpose are your abundant sacrifices to me, says Jehovah, verse 11. When you come to see me, who requires you to trample my courts so? So he considers us as trampling his courts. Verse 13, bring no more worthless offerings. They are as a loathsome incense to me. Okay, so what are we offering him that is worthless to him? We need to identify that. As for convening meetings at the new month and on the Sabbath. Okay, these are our sacrament meetings. The new month, right? We have our fast and testimony meeting and then regular Sunday Sabbaths. Wickedness with the solemn gathering, I cannot approve. That's how he's feeling about our sacrament meetings. Verse 14, your monthly and regular meetings, my soul detests. They've become a burden on me. I'm weary of putting up with them. Remember who he's talking to, the daughter of Zion, the perverse children that came out of the sons who rebelled against him. Verse 15, when you spread forth your hands, I will conceal my eyes from you. Though you pray at length, I will not hear. Your hands are filled with blood. So what blood could be on our hands? I'll get, I pondered that and I'll give you a couple of ideas that came into my mind. I, from the studying I've done, now understand that these sons that rebelled, they plotted with the mob to have Joseph and Hiram murdered and later to have Samuel um, uh, poisoned. Okay. Their hands are filled with blood. But continuing from there, continuing from there, there are other things too. I once on a Facebook post was speaking against abortion and a dear sister got on there for two or three days contending with me about the fact that I did not have the right to pass judgment upon anyone who felt because I didn't know if they had to have those abortions for medical reasons. The fact that we have not stood boldly against the abortion mill, the fact that we have been silent and allowed these atrocities to happen when we were supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light, are our hands not filled with blood? Verse 16, wash yourselves clean. Remove your wicked deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Demand justice. So he's calling us to repent and come back to him. Repent. Okay. Read his word. Know his words. Learn to do good, demand justice, stand up for the oppressed, plead for the cause of the fatherless, appeal on behalf of the wid widow, demand justice, stand up for the oppressed. How can we allow innocent unborn children to be murdered within the sacred wombs of their mother, which our bodies are supposed to be a temple? So in the temples of God, Babies are being murdered and we don't stand up for them. We don't stand up for them. There are so many cases other than that too, where we don't demand justice for those who have been wronged. Plead the cause of the fatherless appeal on behalf of the widow. Verse 18. Come now, let us put it to the test says Jehovah. Though your sins are as scarlet, they can be made white as snow. Though they've reddened as crimson, we have blood on our hands, remember? They may become white as wool. There is a remnant that is going to be called out from among the daughter of Zion. They will become the kings and queens of the Gentiles. And they have a mighty work to do for the Lord. He's calling us right now. He's calling us. 
verse 19. If you are willing and obey, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you are unwilling and disobey, you shall be eaten by the sword. By his mouth, Jehovah has spoken it. Verse 21. How the faithful city has become a harlot. She was filled with righteousness. She was filled with justice. Righteousness made its abode in her, but now murderers. Now this murderer is not just talking about physical murderers, but murdering of the soul. Murdering of the soul. Your silver has become dross. If you do a search, you, well, actually, I will pull that up. What is this talking about? The silver has become dross. This is talking about a specific group of people within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Let's look up that reference. Okay, so here's an explanation of the silver that's going to be purified of its dross. Um, this is Malachi chapter 3. Um, I'm going to start in verse 2. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire, like a launderer's soap. And he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. There it is. Okay, so Jesus Christ himself is going to purify the silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them um, like gold and silver. Okay, the sons of Levi, the priesthood. Then they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Because prior to Jesus Christ appearing to them and refining them, they're not presenting um, um, offerings in righteousness. We just read that in Isaiah chapter 1, the current condition of our offerings. Then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will please the Lord as in the days of old and years gone by. Let's go ahead and see this in the Doctrine and Covenants now. This is Doctrine and Covenants section 128. Still talking about the great day of the Lord. Behold, verse 24, the great day of the Lord is at hand and who can abide the day of his coming? Obviously, this is referring to Malachi. This is a quote where Joseph Smith is quoting Malachi, um, or rather the Lord is. Behold, the great day of the Lord is at hand and who can abide the day of his coming and who can stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Let us therefore as a church and a people and as Latter-day Saints offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. And let us present in his holy temple, when it is finished, a book containing the records of our dead, which shall be worthy of all acceptation. Now, this particular exhortation came, um, right, at Nauvoo in 1842. Because they were trying to um, build the temple. They did not present that um offering and righteousness. However, they never completed the temple. They ended up um, dedicating portions of it to um, do offerings, which I can tell you from what I have studied were not acceptable before the Lord. Okay. So this has not yet happened, not to mention the fact that we have absolutely no record of Jesus Christ himself appearing in that temple. Okay. And he says that he, okay, it says, um, and who can stand when he appeareth? Okay, so this is going to involve Jesus Christ himself appearing. Okay, he's going to refine and purify them, the sons of Levi, so they can offer an offering in righteousness. Um, section 24, let's see, this is October 27th, 1838. So this is um, when the exterminating order is issued by Boggs um, and they are fleeing from Missouri and going to um, Nauvoo, right, to Illinois. It says here, for the day, starting in verse 10, for the day of my visitation cometh speedily and an hour when you think not of. 
And where shall be the safety of my people and refuge for those who shall be left of them? Once again, this is a remnant that's going to be left. Awake, O kings of the earth. Okay, these are the kings and queens of the Gentiles, as we find out when we study the book of Isaiah. Awake, O kings of the earth. Come ye, O come ye, with your gold and your silver. Okay, with the purified priesthood, to the help of my people, to the house of the daughters of Zion. Now notice here it says daughters of Zion, because we know that there was more than one branch of the church that was created when um, Zion was destroyed, right? Because we had Sidney Rigdon started a group that... Um, and there is still a church that um, I think it's called the Church of Christ, which is meeting there. They're on the East Coast somewhere that um, have come down from that group that Sidney Rigdon started. Um, we have the Restored Church that was started. We had, um, gosh, there was another group. I forget the name of them. Anyway, um, and then, of course, from the... LDS, the, the LDS tradition, um, who followed Brigham from the Brighamites, um, when the practice of polygamy was abolished, we have other groups that have splintered off from them. So awake, O kings of the earth, come ye, O come ye with your gold and your silver. Okay. So that is the purified priesthood to the help of my people. So he defines in the book of um, Isaiah that Israel is his people, to the help of my people, to the house of the daughters of Zion. Okay, so also to the house of the daughters of Zion, which are in a lost, fallen, and scattered state at this point. Um, all right, so let's go back to Isaiah. How, verse 21, how the faithful city has become a harlot. She was filled with justice. Righteousness made its abode in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. So the priesthood is in a tarnished state. Your wine diluted with water. So wine is doctrine, it's teachings, right? And those teachings that we have are no longer pure. They've been diluted with water. Your rulers are renegades, accomplices of robbers. With one accord, they love bribes and run after rewards. I'm going to let you figure out what they're talking about there. They do not dispense justice to the fatherless, nor does the widow's case come before them. Therefore, the Lord, Jehovah of hosts, the valiant one of Israel, declares, Woe to them! I will relieve me of my adversaries, avenge me of my enemies. I will restore my hand over you. Now, the hand is the um, is uh, the Davidic servant, this um, person in the last day. Um, actually, let's just read that in the Doctrine and Covenants. He talks about it. I've read it probably i've read it before in some of these so uh podcasts that i've done let's go to section 85 and read about this for ourselves it says and it shall come to pass i'm in verse 7 that i the lord god will send one mighty and strong this is his hand that he's talking about in isaiah he's also called the arm of the lord okay i will send one mighty and strong holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bowels shall be a fountain of truth. Why? To set in order the house of God. Because remember, Zion needs to be redeemed. It is in a fallen and lost state. And to arrange by lot the inheritances of the saints whose names are found and the names of their fathers and of their children enrolled in the book of the law of gods. Now, let's see what's going to happen to those, to that 
um, person who is in charge at the time that um, God is going to send the one mighty and strong that we just read about in verse seven, verse eight, while that man who was called of God and appointed that put forth his hand to steady the ark of God shall fall shall fall by the shaft of death, like as a tree that is smitten by the vivid shaft of lightning. There it is. So he's going to remove the person who is currently in charge, the wicked leader, and he's going to replace that leader um, with this man of righteousness. Um, as a matter of fact, we will read this in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah himself talks about this very um, act. Let me just pull it up. Remember that we read that jo that Jesus in Third Nephi, chapter it was twenty three, right? Told us that. Let me find that real quick. Oh, it's over here. In chapter twenty three, correct? He told us that therefore it, the word, the book of Isaiah, must needs be that he must speak to the Gentiles. Okay. So that's who he's talking to. So should it surprise us that there is an account in the book of Isaiah about this very case where this he's going to raise up, as we just read in the Doctrine and Covenant, section 85, he will send one mighty and strong, holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering, you know, to put in order the house of God, while in the meantime, he removes the one who was in charge of the house of God. Of course, Isaiah is going to write about it because these words are to go to the Gentiles, right? So I think it starts, yes, verse 15. Thus said my Lord, Jehovah of hosts. Now remember, he uses historical events to describe what is going to happen in the future. There was a Shebna. Um, if you go and look in the Old Testament, you'll find out about him. There was an Eliakim. Um, so these are historical figures that that um, that are shadows of what is going to happen. And then there's further elaboration here um, of what is going to happen in the future using these historical characters. Thus said my Lord Jehovah of hosts, go and see that steward Shebna, overseer of the palace. Say to him, okay, so that's the one that is in charge. What are you up to? Who do you think you are that you've hewn yourself a tomb here? Like those who hew themselves sep sepulchers up high, carving out graves for themselves in the rock? Jehovah will hurl you away as an athlete hurls a missile. He will make you soar like a dart. He will bind you tightly about and send you spinning like a top into an open country. There you sh shall you die. And that's exactly what it just said in the Doctrine and Covenants. It said, right here, it says, shall fall by the shaft of death. That's exactly what it says. Let's go back now to Isaiah. He says, there shall you die, and your inglorious conveyance there shall be a disgrace to your master's house. I will thrust you out of office you will be expelled from your post. So that's exactly what it says. It says, while that man who was called of God and appointed, okay, shall fall by the shaft of death. Let's go on because it's more specific than that. It's exactly the same story. Verse 20, in that day, I will commission my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and bind your girdle on him. Okay, so he's going to be, he's going to be clothed in power, which is exactly what it says here. It says, holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering. Same, same verbiage. It says, I will appoint him your jurisdiction, and he will be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will invest him with the keys of the house of David. When he opens, none shall shut. When he shuts, none shall open. So he's going to have the sealing power. 
I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he will be a throne of glory to the house of his father. Upon him shall be hung all the glory of his father's house, his descendants and posterity, including all the lesser vessels from ordinary bowls to the most common containers. In that day, says Jehovah of hosts, the nail that was fastened in a sure place. So this is the one who was called of God, right? And appointed, isn't that the verbiage that's used? Well, the man who was called of God and appointed, exactly, okay? The one, the nail that was fastened in a sure place shall be removed. It shall be dislodged and fall. And the burden hanging on it, so those who are relying on this nail, on this leader, okay? In this case, his name is Shebna, but on this servant of God, will be cut off. They will be cut off. Jehovah has spoken it. I'm going to read that one more time. In that day, says Jehovah of hosts, the nail that was fastened in a sure place shall be removed. It shall be dislodged and fall, and the burden hanging on it cut off. Jehovah has spoken it. Okay? That is exactly what Joseph Smith said over here. Let me make this a little bigger so it's easier to read. Okay, so once again, he's speaking to um, he's speaking to the Relief Society. This is sometime I'd have to I don't want to get off this page and go look up the exact date, but it's between 1842 and 1844. It says that the President J. Smith and wife then entered. President J. Smith, that would be Joseph Smith, rose, read the 14th chapter of Ezekiel, said the Lord had declared by the prophet that the people should each one stand for himself and depend on no man or men in the state of corruption of the Jewish church. The righteous persons could only deliver their own souls. Okay. So that is, um, gosh, where was that? We read that in the doctrine and covenants. Oh, I think I came off of it. Darn it. I think I just came off of it. So when it said to the people, arise, kings, how does that go? You know what? I'll just back up and it should be right there because I think that I used this tab to get there. Yeah, it's right here. Where it says, awake, O kings of the earth, come ye, O come ye with your gold and your silver to the help of my people, to the house of the daughters of Zion. All right. So they have to come unto righteousness themselves in the current state of corruption. That's what they have to do. It says that the people should each one stand for himself and depend on no man or men in that state of corruption of the Jewish church. The righteous persons could only deliver their own souls. Okay. That's exactly what it's talking about that we just read, awake, O kings of the earth, come ye, O come ye, with your gold and silver to the help of my people, to the house of the daughters of Zion. He's telling us that as individuals, we have to awaken and come to the help. Call them out of the state of Babylon that they're in, that they may not, it says in the book of Revelation, come out of her talking about Babylon, my people that ye be not partakers of her sins and receive not of her plagues. Okay. Anyway, that the righteous persons could only deliver their own souls, applied it to the present state of the church of Latter-day Saints. And if it applied, then it certainly applies now because the church has not come out of condemnation. I can show that to you in section 84. And we even had a modern prophet who understood that, who said, I believe it was President Benson who said that the church is still under that state of condemnation that is spoken of in Doctrine and Covenant section 84. Okay, the present state of the Church of Latter-day Saints said, if the people departed from the Lord, they must fall, that they were depending on the prophet, hence were darkened in their minds from neglect of themselves. 
envious toward the innocent. Anyway, so let's just go right back to where we just were in um, Isaiah. It says, in that day, says the Lord, Jehovah of hosts, the nail that was fastened in a sure place shall be removed. It shall be dislodged and fall. And the burden, so those who are relying on him, hanging on it, cut off. Jehovah has spoken it. Those words are very plain. Verse 25, I will, we're back in Isaiah chapter one. Hopefully we'll get through Isaiah chapter one. I will restore my hand over you and smelt away your dross as in a crucible and restore all your alloy. So all of the priesthood will be restored to a state of righteousness. He is going to take off the dross. I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as in the beginning. Okay. After this, you shall be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. For Zion shall be ransomed by justice. Those of her who repent by righteousness, those who repent and come out of Babylon. Those are the ones who are going to be ransomed. But criminals and sinners shall be altogether shattered, right? They're going to be cut off. When those who forsake Jehovah are annihilated and you will be ashamed of the oaks you cherished and blush for the parks you were fond of, you will become like an oak whose leaves wither and as a garden that has no water. So I need to go through this with you. But first of all, an oak is a large and mighty tree. Large and mighty trees in the book of Isaiah represent men who have power and authority. You will be ashamed of the oaks you cherished. You will be ashamed of basically worshiping these men and believing that they were going to save you. You will be ashamed of the oaks you cherished and blush for the parks you were fond of. So a park is a place that has lots of trees. All right. So that would be like the Quorum of the 70, right? That would be like the stake presidencies all over the world. Okay. That would be like the bishoprics all over the world. Okay. So verse 29, and you will be ashamed of the oaks you cherished and blush for the parks you were fond of. You shall become like an oak whose leaves wither and as a garden that has no water. There are two references that I need to read to you about this. Let's go first to the book of Jeremiah. Um, I think it's Jeremiah chapter 7. Um, let's see how I want to get there. Um, I think I'll go here. So we'll go to Jeremiah. Where are you, Jeremiah? Like, I don't know. Right after Isaiah. There it is. Jeremiah. I believe it's chapter 7. If it's not 7, it's 14. Oh, let's see if I can get to this quickly. And I am going to go to the whole chapter so I can see it quickly. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. But we're not going to go into that one right now. All right, so it must be 14. Let me go there. Okay, I'm going to pause it just so you don't have to sit and wait for me. Hang on. Okay, so I went and got my physical scriptures because I have it marked in there so it's easier for me to find it. I'm in Jeremiah chapter 17, starting in verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, who makes the flesh his strength. What version am I in here? Hang on, I'm going to switch to a different version. Let's just go to the King James Version. I don't know what version that was, but it wasn't very good. Okay. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert. And I looked up heath at one point and it's some kind of shrub and shall not see. And remember, look at this. So remember, large trees are mighty 
people who are mighty and strong and who have power and dominion over others. Okay, so this person who is trusting in the arm of flesh um, becomes like nothing more than a bush in the desert. Okay, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, because that's who we have to depend on. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green. Okay, will not see when he cometh. So isn't going to be burned up. Who can abide um, his coming? Who cannot be burned up in the coming of the Lord? Those whose trust the Lord is. That's what this is saying. Verse eight, I'll just go over that again. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heat is deceitful, the heart, excuse me, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Um, and then it goes on in verse 12. Ah, glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. And they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they've forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Right. So that's what it was just saying. You're going to be like a tree planted by the river of waters. The river of waters is Jesus Christ. That's who that is. So um, the next place I want to take you is Isaiah. I'm just going to do it. Not Isaiah, excuse me, is Psalms. This is one of my favorites. Um, and let's see what Psalm says. This is chapter one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, in his scriptures, in his word, doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Remember, planted by Jesus Christ. He is the living waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Okay? That, isn't that beautiful? So let me just go back to where we were in Isaiah, just to finish up here. Isaiah chapter 1. I think this, yeah, this is the very end. We're almost there. It says, um, so for those that are depending on the arm of flesh, it says, and you'll be ashamed of the oaks you cherished, the mighty men you cherished, and blush for the parks you were fond of, okay? The, the swarms of leaders, the quorums that, that um, you were fond of. You shall become like an oak whose leaf withers and as a garden that has no water. The mighty shall be as refuse and their works as a spark. Both shall burn up alike and there shall be none to extinguish. Okay, so that's what's going to happen if you're depending on man. But if you depend on the Lord, then you'll be like a tree planted by a river of waters. And instead of your leaves wither, your leaves will never, never wither. And you'll bring forth fruit in your season. And it says when the drought comes, it won't be a bother to you. It's not going to affect you. Right. So. That's Isaiah chapter one. That is the preface. It is talking to the Latter-day Saints. Okay. Those are the ones. We are the ones who received these words as we already read Jesus saying to us in the Book of Mormon. We are the ones that received these words. We are the Gentiles to whom this message is going forth. We are the ones who, who are in this state 
of terrible corruption and don't even understand that we are. It's a hard message. It's one that I have now toiled in. Gosh, I don't even know how long, probably about five years now to finally be able to really say this out loud because I would stumble constantly over the words because it would hurt me so much to even utter them. Do not take my word for anything, okay? Get in the scriptures yourself. Let the Holy Spirit guide you to all righteousness. Plant yourself by the river of water, by the living word, by Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.